You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's now time for our main event. Take a trip back in time to the golden era of the wrestling world with your host, Chris Tetrold Blaine. Welcome to Once Upon a Turnbuckle. So here we are, back with another episode of Once Upon a Turnbuckle, and I must say, this year, the guests keep on coming. I'm, I'm so grateful for the guys that I've been able to talk to, you know, since I decided to really launch into this properly since the new year. And um, at times, you know, I put out, uh, I put out pleas, I put out sort of little adverts to, uh, to encourage people to, to come on and, 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 you know, talk about their stories. And this particular guest followed one of my recent posts. And once I saw this, the kind of things that he had to talk about, I decided he needed his own show. So I've had before, you know, I've had guys who have been in the ring competing. I've had guys working outside the ring. I had... Um, a familiar voice on before, um, ring announcer Brad Storm, and it's my great pleasure to bring onto the show another fantastic ring announcer to give his take on the wrestling industry and beyond. Mike Falvo, welcome to the show. You flatter me and I love it. <laughs> well, it's, it's much deserved. I mean, you know, I say ring announcer, but from the first message I know I, I got from you, that's a bit of a lie, isn't it? Because... You, well, you haven't just done the ring. You maybe what you sort of gravitate towards, but it's not everything that you've done. Let's let's just say it's it's a slight fib. Okay, <laughs> it, it's it's not a complete lie. No, you're correct though. I mean, I, I try to stretch out my abilities as much as possible. Um, you know what you saw in my resume, or mm. what you know what whatever you want to call it. Um, I've done uh, college basketball here in New York. I've done. Uh, professional football, semi-pro football, high school football, American football, that is, um, with the the helmets and the pads and all that other stuff. Um, I mean, I've I've done some ice hockey and lacrosse. I mean, I try to stretch it out as much as possible, but it's not just ring announcing. It's also, you know, mixed martial arts that I've done. I I love being in the ring with a microphone in my hand. Cool. So, is there a first question, I suppose, off the bat, is is there any difference between doing it for... Uh, you know events like wrestling or, or MMA to you know basketball and that kind of thing is it is it the same kind that you bring the same energy to it or have you got a different kind of get up for a while well when it comes to pro wrestling I mean pro wrestling is pro wrestling it, it, it's a show so you go out there and you know you ring announce but also you're there to put on a bit of a show for the fans when it comes to basketball you know, yes, there you have to keep up that same energy, but it's not as, you know, uh, what's what's the term I'm looking flamboyant, if you mm-hmm. will. You know, sure, you go out there and you announce the players and you try to put as much energy into announcing the players, but it's more 
reserved for lack yeah. of a better term. Yeah. Uh, more of a professional atmosphere because with professional wrestling, you know, you work for a promoter, pardon me, you work for a promoter and their biggest thing is put on a show, make the fans happy and this, that, and the other. Whereas when you announce, say, if you announce in the NBA, you're not the one putting on a show. No. The, the 10 men on the court are the ones putting on the show for the fans. You're there to just kind of hype the crowd up and keep them energized. Yeah. So there, there, are, there are differences. And mixed martial arts is as close to pro wrestling without pro wrestling as you're going to get. Just look at Bruce, uh, you know, guys like Bruce Buffer mm-hmm. with the UFC. He, he goes all into it and puts his all into it. And that's part of the show. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all a show in some way, shape, or form. So let's go back to the beginning. This is what I like to do, really. I mean, I this whole podcast is sort of me reminiscing and, and asking other people to kind of go right back to, to where they discovered certain things. So in terms of the wrestling side, um, when did you first become a fan? You know, what really drew you in? What, what was the era? What was going on? My father lied to me. That's what happened. <laughs> okay, um, cool. No, he, he, he seriously did. Um, I was eight years old. And he come, he came home one night and he says to myself and my younger brother, he's like, boys, finish your homework. After dinner, we're going to go someplace and get some ice cream. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. You know, I'm eight years old. I'm all about ice cream, yeah. you know? Uh, so we get in the car and we're driving and we start passing ice cream shops. And I'm like, dad, dad, he goes, don't worry. I know a place. I know a place. Don't worry. So we're driving and we're driving and we get to now I'm from Utica, New York. And for your listeners that are not familiar with Utica, New York, it's almost uh, the geographical center of New York State, okay. which is pretty big in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Utica, we have the Utica Memorial Auditorium, big arena, probably four or 5,000 seat arena. Normally they play ice hockey in there. So it's a pretty big building. Yeah. Um, so we pull up to the auditorium and I'm like, this is not an ice cream shop. <laughs> and... <laughs> Yeah, and, and my dad goes, don't worry, I got it taken care of. So I'm, it's okay. So we get up to the building and our cousin comes out. Oh, hi, boys, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And she hands my dad an envelope. In the envelope were tickets right. to see the WW, then the WWF. Wow. I had no clue what it was at the point, but I distinctly remember walking in the arena um, and walking down the little tunnel from the, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? man, uh, from the concourse, that's what yeah. I'm looking for yeah. into where, into the arena itself, you walk in and I just saw this ring and just a haze of smoke wow. and spotlights. And I just said, wow, this is interesting. And then after the show, I was hooked. So, I mean, really that's how being a, a wrestling fan started for me was based on a perpetrated on a lie. Cool. Did you ever get that ice cream or did you not care come the end? Yes, we did, actually. <laughs> Do you remember back in the day when the WWF used to have those ice cream bars with oh, the wrestlers yes. on them? Yes. I got one of those and it was, oh. the best, it was the best ice cream I ever had. I never had one of those. I think it was back um, probably sort of 10 years or so ago when CM Punk brought it up as part of his sort of promo back then that he was going to bring him back. I thought, I, yeah, I remember and I re- seeing the pictures and I always wanted one. But. I remember being mad at my father because he went and got us the ice cream and he came back and gave me junkyard dog and I wanted macho man, Randy Savage. No, I was, I was mad. That's bad. I was mad. So what sort of era are we talking about? I mean, you, you sort of hinted there. I'm, I'm guessing obviously late eighties. What, what year was it? Do you remember? It was 1987. 
Wow. Okay. Cool. Because I remember, I, I remember the main event of my first match was Raymond Rougeau and Dino Bravo versus the British Bulldogs with with Matilda. Wow. So that that gives you an idea. And then the next event that happened was about two, two and a half months later. The main event was Randy Savage as WWF champion versus King Harley Race. Not a lot of people will get to see that. I mean, obviously not anymore, but you know, that's that's quite a... uh, did, Did that match seem like it had the the sort of big time feel to it. Cause I know Harley races WWF run wasn't, wasn't as fruitful. Wasn't really, I feel his most respected time in his career. No, uh, I, I think around that time was when Harley was kind of on the downswing of his career. Um, you know, he had had his highly, I mean, legendary run in the NWA and a little bit in WCW, mm-hmm. but then he came over to the WWF. I think it was one of those situations where, he, he didn't need to go to the WWF. No. He really didn't to cement his legacy. But he went, uh, you know, and Vince is Vince. Mm-hmm. You know, he has who he thinks should be champion, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but I remember being intrigued by that match. It, and I didn't realize it at the time. I was eight years old that there were mm-hmm. two legends yeah. standing in the ring. You know, I was like, oh, you know, Ray, I was a huge Randy Savage fan. And I got to see him with the championship belt yeah. and Miss Elizabeth. So that part was all going on. Yeah. Um, but seeing him in Harley race, I think about it now and it's like, wow, I got to see that live and yeah. not on television. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it just, it, it blows my mind. I've uh, I spoke to a couple of guys for, for this, this feature that by the time this goes out, sort of will mm-hmm. have, will have uh, been put out there, but I, I only get to saw the WWF once. I've I've gone to a couple of independent shows since over here in the UK, but it's always intrigued me what you see or what you would have seen at an old school WWF house show. Because mm-hmm. looking, I mean, I used to go through the results in the independent magazines that I used to get. And right. I was amazed, you know, some of these matches you would never see on TV, you know, some of these pairings, it's almost like that was their chance to kind of put something different out there, see how it goes kind of thing. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Do, you, do, you, do you remember any others that you saw around about that time that, that you? I remember, I remember seeing the Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez. Okay, there's a name you haven't heard in, in a absolutely. few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I've seen the Undertaker live in Utica uh, three or four times, and nine times out of ten, he's wrestling. You know, local Joe Blow, and it's a yeah. you know ten second match, but. Um, the match with him and Giant Gonzalez, I just remember because there were just these two towering figures in the mm. ring. And, you know, I was a little older at that time. So, yeah. but still, I've seen The Undertaker a number of times. I saw, and funny enough, I've seen Randy Savage wrestle live eight times. Wow. I, I actually went back and counted all the shows that he was on. That's and of cool. all the superstars that I've seen, you know, my all-time favorite, I've seen live the most, which yeah. is, to That's me, is cool. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's not going to be another one like him. I know it's cliche, but oh. I am. Um, I when not, I got not to, in a million years. When I got to see WWF, it was a good era. It was '97. It was just okay. starting. Um, it's, so that was around the Austin Rock era, just kind of starting to it was blossom. Just before that, yeah. So I saw. I was at One Night Only, um, which was in oh. September. So that was the one that just came just after SummerSlam and Ground Zero. So you've got. Right. 
unfortunately Austin was injured he wasn't there but that was just when he was feuding with the Hart Foundation DX had just formed so you, you know you had that going on as well okay and yeah it's a very interesting time I would much rather say I've seen that than right know, see a lot of the current stuff that they're doing I must admit but yeah. Um, yeah Randy Savage was one of those that I I kind of regret not ever making it to an event to see because he was he was a just on a and and this was randy savage back when he had that big robe and he mm-hmm. would put his arms out and it would yeah. just you know this was back before the cowboy hat and the tassels which yeah. don't get me wrong was a great was great for randy savage but yeah. the old school rant with with the sunglasses and the headband and the yeah. the big robe that's randy savage to yeah. me that i will always remember him that way um it was he was just on a different level really just his energy his intensity but not only that the way he worked in the ring and the way he worked outside the ring all the little intricacies of professional wrestling that a lot of people don't the psychology that goes behind it you know hiding behind miss elizabeth when somebody would come after him and you know that whole angle there Mm. it was just brilliance in front of you and it i i didn't realize it then but now you go back and you look at it and it's just yeah it's my it's mind-blowing yeah. You can see where he is, <clears throat> guys like him have inspired guys, you know, who have come through in the last sort of 15 years or so, but it never replicated. You know, I, I quite no. liked, I mean, I, I didn't watch it much at the time, but I saw when CM Punk, I think it must have been just after Randy Savage passed, I'm not sure, but CM Punk right. wrestled in tights, you know, that were just like Randy Savage's with the stars on and everything and right. finished with the elbow and whatever. And I thought things like that were kind of cool, you know, when... New, new school um, remembers old school in the best way without trying to basically say I'm the new, I'm the right. new one, you know, kind of thing. Exactly. So um, bringing it back to yourself then. Um, yeah. So that was the moment that you discovered wrestling. So your involvement in wrestling, I believe mm-hmm. you actually trained as a wrestler to begin with. Is that right? I did. I actually trained on, in uh, Enfield, North London. Yeah, over in the UK. So that makes it even more kind of intriguing it was at the north london martial arts academy for the life of me i cannot remember what road it was on okay and i i really should have done my research but (laughs) so um, from being a young young boy from that point did you had it been a dream of yours for a while to get in the ring or was it something that while you were over here you just thought oh you know i'll i'll give it a go always a dream always i knew from that moment on i wanted to be involved in professional wrestling in one way or another um unfortunately um i'm not six foot six or 280 pounds i'm Mm -hmm. five foot six and 200 pounds (laughs) um so god didn't bless me with the physical attributes to be a superstar Mm -hmm. which is fine um but these days you would these days you would I, I would, back, but back I, I'm, era, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a little too old to be getting back in the ring now. Um, <laughs> but that. as my mom says, you know, God didn't bless you with the body, but he blessed you with the mouth. <laughs> so there you go. I decided to go the announcer route, the commentator route. So it all worked out in the end. So around about the time that you decided that was going to be your route, how, how do you get, or how did you get into that then after was it naturally after you started training, you were getting involved in the industry that way, and then it just kind of sort of segued in, or did you have to kind of make some changes to say, this is what I want well, to do? Well, when you want to get into the pro wrestling industry, there's usually only two ways that you get into it. One, you're born into it. You're a Flair, an Orton, 
somebody along those lines, you know, or you're a fan, you decide, Hey, I want to give this a try. So you start training. And if you last that long, you know, you get into the business and that's the route I went. I decided I started training. Um, and I actually, I wrestled a small handful of matches in England, but at the time I was in the military, I was in the U S military at RAF Lake and Heath, just outside of Cambridge. Um, and I got orders out of England. Uh, okay. So, uh, so my time wrestling in England was relatively short through mm-hmm. no fault of my own. Yeah. Um, but I always wanted, I always tried to stay involved as much as possible. Um, and then uh, trained a little bit when I was stationed in Texas, but it didn't really work out for scheduling reasons. And then mm-hmm. when I finally got back to New York, I just started reaching out to some promoters saying, Hey, here's my stuff. Here's what I can do for you. And so on and so on. Um, and the promoter for a company called the dynasty reached out and he said, Hey, you know, we'd like you to come by. I want to hear what you can do. Help us set up the ring. Da, 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 da. And the rest is history. I've been, you know, working with different companies here in New York and New Jersey, uh, for the last three, four years now. Very cool. Very cool. Can you remember the first time that you sort of your, your ring announcing debut? Or is it all a bit of a blur? <laughs> no, it, to me, when I announce, it's all business. Okay. So I remember, I, I, re, I remember little things, mm. okay? Yeah. Um, I remember the suit I wore, what I looked like, and I made sure that I looked the part. Um, I, I'm a firm believer in if you're going to get into that ring, you are a representative of that company or that person that hired you and you want to look your best. You want to make sure that you represent that person the right way. Nothing drives me nuttier than going to a show and seeing somebody climb in the ring with jeans, t-shirts, sneakers, or just looking like they just rolled off the back of a truck. It drives, it just drives me nuts. Um, But I, I remember it. It was a blast, you know, you know, yes, you try to be professional, but the key is have fun. Yeah. Just go out there and have fun with it. And that's what I did. So you're like the, um, the ring announcers are like the ringmasters almost in the circus. Sort of in five, yes. I can see it. You know, they, I, I, I think it's probably the one role that, especially when I was growing up, was, was, was not appreciated as much as it should be. Because you kind of think that there's just someone who goes in, he's given a card with details on, he just reads them out. But you're the one that's got to get the crowd involved and get the crowd warmed up and interested. So, so for you, how do you do that when you come out into a show? How, what do you do first to, to get the crowd going? Before you leave the curtain, you have to be ready. You have to be, you have to make sure that a, you looked apart, like, you know, we mentioned a second ago, mm-hmm. um, you have to make sure that you're just that you're ready that if you go out there and you're in a bad mood or, you know, you just have this, I don't want to be here attitude. The crowd mm-hmm. is going to see that and they're going to play off of that. Yeah. So you go out there with a load of energy because you are the warm up act mm-hmm. for that show. You go out there and if you go out there and you're like, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to such and such arena. Mm -hmm. Tonight we have blah, blah, blah. But if you go out there and you're just a ball of fire and you're a ball of energy, they're going to feed off of that. And you're you're getting them warmed up for what's about to happen. Yeah. Who inspired you? Sorry, cutting in there. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, who inspired you back at the beginning to, were there any in particular that, that, 
Um, not that you want to emulate, but any announcers that you really drew inspiration from? Howard Finkel, Mean Gene Okerlund. Wow. Okay. Very <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. I mean, um, you, you, you can't, can't deny Howard Finkel is probably the, the biggest legend, you know, in terms of wrestling ring announcers. Um, oh, H Howard Finkel was a soundtrack in my childhood, man. He, <laughs> he narrated my childhood. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I wish I could have Morgan Freeman narrate my day for me. No, yeah. Howard Finkel, Howard man. Finkel. If Absolutely. I had the money, I'd pay Howard Finkel to announce me every time I entered a room. <laughs> that would be amazing. I must admit, because I know you see a hashtag now, the like, and new, and still, whenever there's a title match. I think he, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I believe he really made that. He did. That was his kind of, you know, hearing that, that was what made a big title change even more special. Oh, chills. Every, every time, like I was watching not, not too long ago, uh, we went back and I can't remember, I think it was WrestleMania 4 when Savage won the title from the tournament. Mm -hmm. And Howard Finkel came out and knew every time just yeah. shivers up my spine. I love it. Yeah, it's similar for me because I think you say you've done some commentary as well. Mm -hmm. um, for, I, I've only just really realised lately what my what really drew me to wrestling or kept me with it as a um, as a kid. It's because I used to have tapes on TV in my room while I you know played right. with wrestling figures or whatever. But I, I heard it. I may not have been watching it, but I was. It's the commentators. It's the interviews. It's the ring announcing. It's the sound of mm -hmm. wrestling which really i think brings back the memories and one in particular i remember um because we had sky tv over here um, right my mum had just just bought it but she hadn't subscribed to sky sports and it was the night of the royal uh, not royal rumble wrestlemania 12 oh okay massive Shawn michaels fan at the time so mm -hmm. what you could do back then is if you hadn't subscribed to particular channels, you got the sound, but you got like white noise on the screen. You couldn't see what's happening, but you could hear it. So right. I woke up past midnight school the next morning and I had it on in my bedroom at the foot of my bed. And I would just listen to the entire one hour Ironman match. Oh, and wow. It was that moment when I was trying to piece together at the end when they were going to overtime and I could just see it going off in my head, but it was the commentary. And then, the announcement at the end which really mm -hmm. that moment i was almost like i wasn't seeing it but i felt it you know? yeah it was yeah uh, you what do you um what do you prefer doing if you had a choice between ring announcing and, and commentating or or isn't there isn't there much of a choice between them personally i would prefer ring announcing i mean that's that's what i love that's what i'm familiar with mm -hmm. because when you ring announce you get to interact with the crowd a little bit yeah. You know, when I ring announce, I like to, I, I love interacting with the crowd. I like getting in the ring. And if I see somebody wearing a, an ugly t-shirt, you know, I'll get in the ring and I'll say something like, oh, don't you guys like the suit I'm wearing? I really dressed for the occasion. I'm like this guy in that ugly t-shirt. My <laughs> God, you know, and you know, the, the crowd knows it's all fun. Yeah. So they, they feel like they're a part of the show. Yeah. Um, I like to use a little bit of, I don't know if you're familiar with Don Rickles. American comedian Don Rickles. Yes, yes. Now that you mentioned his name, yes, I do know him. He his thing was he would go into the crowd and he would make fun of people. Right. I mean, I mean, he would just eviscerate people. But <laughs> they all they all knew that it was fun. It was part of the show, so they felt like they were a part of the show, and yeah. that's kind of what I like to do. Um, 
but I like ring announcing just because there's more of a connection with, with the audience. Okay. Whereas when you're doing commentary, your audience, if it's live, your audience is not in front of you. Mm, but so. if it's recorded, your audience won't be in front of you for a week or two weeks. Yeah. But when you're in the ring, it's instant. You're right there. And really, you control the pace of the show. Yeah. Brilliant. When you're when you're doing commentary, you control the pace of whatever the people are watching when they're watching it. Yeah. Yeah. So if that makes any sense. <laughs> absolutely. No, no, perfectly. It answers it perfectly. Um, just uh, what's um, some of the promotions that you worked for sort of in your career so far or, or who you're, you're still working for? Have you got any that you've been with long term or do you kind of bounce from, from one to yes. the other? Um, I started with a company called The Dynasty based mm -hmm. out of here in Albany, New York, and they're kind of... See, see, the thing is with the pandemic, everything is, is kind of on a hiatus. So yeah. they're on a hiatus uh, due to the pandemic. Uh, there's another company called Immortal Championship Wrestling, again, on hiatus due to the uh, pandemic. Mm -hmm. I recently worked with a company called Global Syndicate Wrestling out of New Jersey. They just did a show at the Monster Factory in New Jersey, which, by the way, if you're looking for a place to train, the Monster Factory is the place to go. If you're looking to travel to New Jersey, if you're in the UK, um, but I've, and I'm going to be doing shows uh, with a company called Northern Federation Wrestling, which is based out of, based out of here in Albany. We're going to be doing a show in New Jersey because we can't wrestle in New York right yeah. now because of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of, you know, a lot of the companies that I've worked for currently on hiatus because of everything going yeah. on with COVID and, uh, but a lot of my experience comes in the, I hate to say mainstream sports, but mm. sports world, basketball, collegiate basketball. The ones football. that are still, still able to function. function. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Won't be long, hopefully, you know. Hopefully, I, fingers crossed. Yeah, and the world just goes absolutely mental. I know they're on about <laughs> um, WrestleMania being ticketed, you know, and actually fans in attendance will see. Yeah, that's that's in Florida. Florida is a completely different entity in itself. Yeah. Um, they kind of do things how they want, when they want. Sure. Um, I mean, they, they recently held the Super Bowl in the very same building that WrestleMania is going to be. And okay. the WWE actually used the Super Bowl as an example of how they could possibly do it. And the oh, Super okay. Bowl was highly successful. Yeah. Um, I don't believe there were any... Uh, any positive tests that traced back. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, definitely. I, I didn't watch. I mean, I've seen snippets of what WrestleMania was last year, but to me, the, the, the notion of having a WrestleMania with no fans was horrifying. It really. was, it was, it, it was odd. Yeah. I, I'm not, it, it didn't feel like a WrestleMania. It just felt like, and what really, hit me was at the very end when drew mcintyre won the championship and he's up on the the corner and he's yelling and he's holding the belt and it was mm. silent yeah that should have been his moment that he'd been working towards and yeah yeah it, normally it should have been eighty-five thousand people losing their ever-loving minds but yeah. it was silent and it just it did not feel right and and i was happy for drew because i love drew and, you know, he's worked with a lot of my friends in the UK and I know they were happy for him. And it was like his moment was stolen yeah. and it, it, it was heartbreaking for me. There's, there's talk that he's going to be involved in some kind of angle at WrestleMania where he gets that moment 
that he missed out on. You know, we'll see. But um, yeah, yeah, I think as a as a Brit, really, it would have been nice for to oh, be yeah, able to say definitely. that one of our own had 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 that definitely. that WrestleMania moment. You know, but uh, right, we'll see if they put that right. So, um, what what do you um, see? So you've worked obviously mainly with independent promotions. Mm-hmm. So, what would you say from whatever experience you've had with you know as a fan going and seeing you know, the WWF or whatever back in the day. What do you feel the independent promotions have got these days that sort of has made indie wrestling what it is? Because back in the day, you know, after the territories died, you didn't really hear much of right. the under the undercurrent, the underground of, of the wrestling scene. But it seems to have exploded that, you know, the indies are so respected these days. What, what is it from your experience that is making that happen? The talent, the people involved. No question about it. Um, you look at you look at the people that are on the independent circuit today, and there's God, there's too many to mention, but mm-hmm. there's so much unbelievable talent. Not just the higher, you know, the upper echelon names, but you go all the way down, even to many of the local promotions. There are a lot of kids who come out of training camp, who come out of their camps or their training or whatever. They're is as we say here in the states green is goose shit um <laughs> i don't know if i can swear in your program no I'm go ahead go I, ahead it's fine <laughs> i'm sorry if i offended anybody um but you you know you get these kids who are fresh out of camp and they go out there and even if it, it may not be the cleanest wrestling it may not flow very well but these kids are going out there and they're giving it their all mm. Yeah. Because they love what they do. So that I mean it's really it's the talent, mm-hmm. but it's not just the folks under the spotlight, it's the folks behind the scenes. They're they're just dedicated, hardworking. Yeah. Everybody from the ring crew to the ring announcer to the referee to the video crew, the, the folks that set up the guardrails, they're there mm-hmm. because they love wrestling. Yeah. And that's you you're seeing a lot of the independent companies getting more to the wrestling and you know, they're there to put on a great show. Mm. And that's what's most important. I think that's part of what you lose when you get to the bigger companies. Yeah. Cause they're more about the ratings and yeah. more about this and not so much about making the crowd go home happy. Yeah. I suppose they spend a lot of time writing, you know, the uh, what's going to happen, writing the storylines behind it all. And, and I mean, I don't know. I know, I know the indie promotions got their own version of that, but right. from what I've seen, well, you know, you, you get some folks in the indies who, you know, yes, they may have some sort of storyline that they work mm. through, but I think some of the best matches you're fi- you'll find are two people wrestling each other for the first time, no story yeah. behind it, and you just say, you know what, guys, go out there and tear the house down. Yeah, I you mean, just just go do it, and they yeah. go out there and they tear the house down. In your opinion, out of the talent that you've sort of either you've introduced, you've worked around. Are there mm-hmm. any names in particular that you can see or you think that one day will will break into the mainstream? Richard Holiday is number one. Cool. I don't know if you're from if you're familiar I'm not. with Richard. I'm not. No. Um, he does. He works with MLW. He's the current Caribbean champion for Major League Wrestling. He is the most marketable man in wrestling. Cool. Okay. Um, he's an amazing talent. He's got a great look. Former uh, collegiate football player, American football player. He's 6'3", 6'4", 215, 220. Great look, great gimmick. I mean, he's, he's, he's got it. Yeah. He's- I think he is, he's one of those people that's kicking in the door that's, 
on the verge of breaking. I mean, he's yeah. on his way there. Alexander Hammerstone. Okay. Another one. Don't know if you're, if you're familiar with him or your listeners are familiar. Another ML, uh, major league wrestling guy. Cool. Amazing physique. Absolutely stunning. You have to, you just have to Google them. Yeah. Uh, there's Alexander Hammerstone, Richard Holiday. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's a lot of folks here on the Northeast. Brandon Kirk is another one. Casey Cattell is a great female wrestler. Yeah. Trish Adora. Really, if you go and you look at, and if your listeners go and they Google independent wrestlers in the Northeast, and you just look at all the companies and just start making your way down the list, you'll see that the, there's so much untapped talent, yeah. but there's a lot of great folks that are on the verge. They're, yeah. they're just, they're almost there. Yeah. And the great thing is these days, there's the avenues and the options available for them. Oh yeah. You know, there's so many ways in now. I mean, even, I mean, NXT, you know, for all the, all the, the, the times that I knocked the current product and that I think NXT is doing something fantastic, which if you had the equivalent of that back in the early to mid nineties, you know, maybe 1995 wouldn't have been so dire. <laughs> so, well, know. they did. It was called Florida championship wrestling. Mm. Uh, that's where guys like Batista, Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, they all got yeah. their start down there. John Cena got his start down in Florida. Yeah. Uh, at the time, it was, or no, I, I, you know what? I take that back. John Cena was Ohio Valley, uh, which is currently being run by Al Snow. Oh, yes. I have seen that, yeah. Um, yeah. But th there's so many avenues. But the, what you're finding, though, is that nowadays, a lot of, a lot of these young uh, young a lot of this young talent are realizing that WWE may not be my only avenue. Exactly. Now you have mm. AEW. Yeah. You have Major League Wrestling. And now even here in the States, the NWA is getting ready to come back in, yeah. uh, I think it's like a month or a couple of months or so. They're on the verge of yeah. breaking back huge. I, I was really happy to see that because when they launched or when I discovered that they had launched like last year with, um, with power and it mm -hmm. was, it was on YouTube. I was like, my prayers have been answered. There's old school studio wrestling. With oh, I, I absolutely, I, I absolutely loved it. I, mm -hmm. I said to myself, this is beautiful because it's different. Yeah. Makes you know, it's happen. not, yeah, it's not the big arena show and it's not a big, you know, pyro lights or whatever. It's, mm -hmm. it's in an old TV studio yeah. in Georgia. Takes in you Atlanta. Right back. You see, you see old, old videos of Ric Flair and the Horseman in a studio and a ring, which looked exactly like that. As we um, say, as we say in the states, old Saturday night, six oh five. That's it. Six oh five p.m. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they brought that, because that was that was one thing that was a little lost on me. I must admit, because they brought back the Television Championship and they mm -hmm. they made the the time limit was six minutes five for all the all the matches. And I, I people were saying, oh, the relevance of that, and I was like. Well, the, the, the initial, the, the original concept, the reason why like old WCW Saturday night and everything went on the air at 6.05 was Ted Turner's idea. Mm. Okay. Ted Turner, you know, obviously, if you're not familiar with Ted Turner, for those, for your listeners, mm. um, Ted Turner was a big broadcast giant here in the States. He founded CNN. Uh, TBS, uh, which was another station here in the States, but he had this idea that at the top of every hour, you're flipping channels to see what's on. Mm. 
that takes about five minutes before you, before you get sick of it and you settle on a show. So after that five minutes, his wrestling program is just starting. And usually by then you've already missed the first five minutes or whatever it is you want to watch. So you're like, Oh, I can't watch this anyway. So he said, my program is just starting. It's a wrestling program. Watch my show. That's brilliant. And on a Saturday night, nine times out of 10, you're just finishing dinner or you're mm-hmm. getting ready to sit down for dinner. So yeah. it was all, so that's where the whole 605 yeah. thing played in. And then they, they, yeah, they made the time limit that to, to pay homage, I think, to that, mm-hmm. that time, which is quite cool. Because when I grew up with the, uh, the WCW television title, I think it was 15 minutes. Time right, limit, usually which, 15, 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, and pretty much every match I saw on the pay-per-view, I was unlucky to see if, time limit draw it just it didn't really draw yeah. me to the tv title but <laughs> you know a fair play to them for bringing that back and i hope they do make it i know they've lost a few of the stars they had right before they shut down like right. uh, eli drake i was i hadn't really known eli drake when he was in um tna in fact you need to go watch his stuff man he, he that was, dude he is a world champion in the making when i saw him on tna uh not sorry tna nwa and I knew of his name, but I'd never watched him. And just, again, he's a talker. He's one that he reminded me. I could close my eyes and imagine Steve Austin because he had that same kind of draw. But he was, again, there's something about him. And I was, I, I suppose, a little disappointed to see that he'd gone over to NXT because I was really hoping that he would still be in the NWA and, and you know, sort of pull through. But. Oh, so do I. Uh, Eli Drake or LA Knight, as he's known mm. now. Dude's got charisma for days. Yeah, he has. He has. He's. I think he's. He is a WWE champion waiting to happen. Yeah. I just. I. I just pray that if and when he makes it to the main roster, that you know it doesn't flounder. Yeah, I. I thought the same of um, Marty Skull, the villain. Yeah, he's. Mm-hmm. He's kind of. A, a, if I was to pick anyone from the current era and not just because he's a Brit, but he's the one that I've gravitated towards because of his character. Right. And I, I got to meet him when he was in Exeter um, four or five years ago. And it's the first time I saw him with that persona and it really stuck with me. I thought this harks mm-hmm. back to the kind of identities that used to be around and he's playing it absolutely right. perfectly. But then there, when he left uh, Ring of Honor, there were reports that he may be on his way to NXT or WWE. Right. And if that happens, I hope they just do not mess with his character. Oh, no, I agree. You know, I agree. We'll see. So um, in your time, have, have you um, got the opportunity to announce any sort of big or classic names um, for any of your promotions when you've been there? Oh, yeah. I've, I've called for Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake wow. the Snake Roberts. Wow. Uh, childhood hero of mine. And actually... Um, I'll, I'll have to send it to you, but there's, I actually had the chance to get a photo with Jake and he was just such a great guy. I mean, he, he, he was the guy when we got to the the venue that night, um, he was in the locker room just by himself, just kind of sitting there or whatever. Um, And he would sit there and he'd be like, you know, when we all got in, he was like, come on, boys, get a chair. I want to tell you. (laughs) Jake, the snake Robert says he wants to tell stories. You get a chair and you sit around like you're sitting around a campfire. It's like, it was just the stories he told were fantastic. Yeah. Um, Jake, the snake, Robert, Shane Douglas, the franchise. Cool. I had the chance to work with uh, Billy Gunn, Carlito. Not, not really. 
I, I don't want to say they're not legends because they're still great performers. Yeah, they're, they're, they're ones certainly that I, I remember, you know, at the height of my fandom, you know, they right. were there. And, and, you know, a lot of people that listen to this be the, the same kind of thing. So, uh, Let's see. I've worked with Bob Backlund. Okay. Right there. Uh, Bob Backlund, the Sandman from ECW. Wow. Actually, yeah. took, actually took a cane shot from the uh, really? Sandman. <laughs> awesome it's it's a good thing he told me i remember we were backstage and we were kind of going over what was going to happen that night and he's he looks at me and he had probably already had two or three beers at that point and he looks at me and he goes you ever taken a cane shot i said no i haven't well you're gonna tonight you might want to go put on another jacket i was like (laughs) all right um so i went and i put on um I was refereeing that night, so I had my referee shirt on, but I had found a, a good size jacket. And sure enough, that night I took a shot right in the back, and <laughs> um, and that was that was kind of like my initiation. That's brilliant. Uh, funny thing is that same night I got to work with Joel Gertner oh, from okay. ECW. Yeah, That's that was that was interesting. Yeah, that. Okay. Uh, let's see. I've worked with Brian Pillman Jr., another young up and coming star. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I'm 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 really pleased that yeah you know Pillman's legacy. I know you know Brian Pillman Jr. has got his own thing going on in that, but exactly, it's it's so good to see that it's it's still carrying on. Yeah, his his father was so good, just mm. so naturally gifted, and you know it was just a shame when he passed away. Yeah. Um. But you you watch his son, you watch Brian Pillman Jr. Whether it's on AEW or in in the independent scene, and it's. It, it's mirror image the yeah. the talent and the ability and the just the natural uh talent is there it's in the blood. and it's 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 great to see and and we were talking that night and i told him i said you know i, I know you've heard this a thousand and one times but man you remind me so much of your father mm. yeah. and he it, you know he just he nodded and you know, thank you. You know, that's such a compliment. And I know it's, it's something he's heard a thousand and one yeah. times. So he's probably like, Oh fuck, here we go. Yeah. Um, but even to but look at him, he's got that look. So, he does. You, know, you know, I don't think he's ever going to shake that necessarily, but that's possibly him embracing well, no. it in his own way. No. So. You know, and, and it's one of those things where, you know, he's going to be compared to his father for his entire life. And yeah, I'm sure it's something he's heard his entire career, but it, I mean, it's just, it's, you, you can't ignore it. No, you just, you just cannot ignore it. No, I know. Um, I've seen reports that David Benoit is um, you know, training. He's, he's, he's sort of right. getting into the industry and there were, there were people sort of surmising what would happen if you put together David Benoit and Brian Pillman Jr. You know, going back to the horseman days, you know, that'd be, something special that's that that would be mm. that would be uh david benoit has a huge hill to climb yeah not just in the wrestling ring um and and you know that's for a whole different conversation yeah um and it, it's a shame but you know again it's that's a whole different conversation yeah um you know, David Benoit has got a, got a, he's got a huge hill to climb, but I, I, I think if, if he goes out there and he establishes himself, yeah, he'll, I think he'll be okay. I got to respect the decision for him to, to keep his name because there were, again, there were, um, 
there were theories flying around whether what his ring name would be that he's 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 putting himself out there he, you know he's benoit he's not running away from that yeah. well you know he he looks just like his father mm, you, you cannot does. deny that no, no. <laughs> um and you know now we're in an age where if you try to fool the fans mm. they're gonna pick up on it yeah. they, they know they already know who he is yeah so going out there and putting a different name on it you know it's like taking a ford and putting a chevy sticker on it and saying <laughs> this is a chevy you know yeah. But, no. but I, I think I think if David Benoit goes out and he establishes himself and goes out there and just does what he does and does what he loves, yeah, I think he'll be okay. Yeah, fingers crossed. It'd be good to see. You've kind of answered one of my next questions already because I was going yes. to ask if it's if it's kind of blurred between you know your ring announcing and, and you've obviously you've trained to be a wrestler in the, in the beginning. Do you still take bumps or have you taken bumps oh, as yeah. a, as a ring announcer? Have oh, you, yeah. been, you okay tell us about sort of any, I, any of those occasions took a cane shot from the sandman <laughs> um no i i worked a couple uh angles where i've um where i would be doing an in-ring interview uh and you know that i i get on the heels bad side or i irritate him and he punches me or he yeah. puts me in a sleeper hold or something like that but um there have been a couple times when i've thrown the tights back on laced up the boots and had legit matches fantastic so it's not like tuxedo matches that howard finkel was involved in or anything like that no (laughs) no 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 um no i I try to even if even if it's just for training purposes Mm. sometimes i'll throw on throw on the boots i'll get in the ring before a show i'll run the ropes take a bump here and there i'll do some rolling around just to stay loose but it's i miss it you know I, i miss getting in the ring Pardon me again. I miss getting in the ring and taking bumps. It's fun. To me, it's fun. <laughs> it, it looks fun. I've been watching, I've spent half my time watching documentaries, especially lately. I've found some great ones on the indie scene in particular. Yeah. And, you know, you really see the guys starting right from the, from the beginning and, you know, what they learn to do. And, you know, I think a lot of people probably go into it thinking straight away they're going to learn to do all these high-fly moves or whatever, but start simple, how to fall, nope. how to take a bump. And it's, yeah, I can imagine the, the toll it takes on it, your body it, after it, a few. It definitely takes a toll, you know, not just taking a bump. When you take a bump, like you take your basic back bump, mm. um, it's the equivalent of being in a 35 mile an hour car crash. Wow. That's the effect it has on your body. Mm. Um, Just think about it. You see these guys taking these huge bumps, they're throwing themselves back and you're landing on wood, you know, wooden planks to, you know, giant wooden planks, a metal ring. You know, it's, there's a little bit of give, but it's no trampoline. Trust me. Um, But it's, you know, when you're in the ring, it's adrenaline. And you don't initially feel it, but then you get home that night or the morning after the adrenaline wears off. Yeah. That's when the whole, Oh my God. <laughs> so how do you get back in and do it the next day? I, I, I think that's one of the things that I've always, always you wanted. get up and you get up and you do it. Yeah. You get up it. and you do it. Um, you know, with me, it's, it's not so much getting up in the ring. It's like getting up and you have to keep your body uh, ready to go. So I go to the gym a lot. I, I yeah. hit the weights. I do a little bit of cardio here and there. It's, it's vital to yeah. keep your, your body in as top shape as you possibly can. Yeah. 
Are there any sort of memorable or embarrassing moments you've had in your career? Either or, really, or both? Um, in the wrestling ring, no. Uh, in the MMA world, yes. Um, there was an event that I was working, I want to say about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. And the, the fight had come down to a decision. Now, the way that works, if the fight comes to a decision, you have to wait for the judges to give you the little piece of paper with the scores on it, mm-hmm. and they tell you who won, red or blue corner, whatever. Yeah. So I get the, the thing, open it up, and I'm looking at it. And I'm, I, you know, I read the judges scored 25 or 20, 30, 29 in favor of the red corner, blah, blah, blah. So it said the winner of this fight by unanimous decision out of the red corner, that part I got right. Right. I called the other person's last name (laughs) while the referee raises the one kid's name or one kid's hand. I announced the other guy and the other guy's like, I won. (laughs) And everybody just stopped and looked at me and I just went, shit. No, but it, you know, it, it happens. Yeah, it happens. Terms, even, yeah, I was even, call- even you say like as recent as, as a year and a half ago. So, you know, you've been, uh, you've been doing it a oh, while yeah. and still making it. Oh yeah. So, yeah. It happens. It happens. It happens. But um, that's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to me in, in the, in the cage or in the ring yeah. or what have you. I've heard you say on, I, I listened to, um, to another interview that you did recently. Um mm-hmm. And there is a particular, there's, there's a wrestler who I think you mentioned saying that you, um, is it you, you, you sort of, you put something in to his announcements when you're announcing it to, to yes. try to get him to break character. Can you, yes. can you share that for us? There was a wrestler, very good friend of mine, very uh, awesome guy. His name is Daniel. His, his shoot name is Daniel Roberts, but he went by Sergeant Fury, huge comic book guy. Mm-hmm. Um, army vet and him and i we just you know from the moment we met we hit it off because i was in the u.s air force so we're both veterans and we both have a very sick twisted dark sense of humor (laughs) um so before show we we were i forgot what we were talking about and he he just kind of turned away i said you know what i'm gonna get you to break tonight watch just watch so he comes down the ring and I said, you know, weighing 225 pounds of pure sexy. And that wasn't his character at all. Cause he would come out with the army camouflage and the post-apocalyptic, whatever. <laughs> he didn't break. Wow. And he gets in the ring. He goes, try again. He, he like leaned over. He goes, try again, pal. I was like, all right, yeah. all right, all right. So the next event I came out and I announced him as 225 pounds of spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> And he kind of laughed and he smirked and he goes, okay, getting closer, getting closer. And then the third night, oh God, what did I announce him as? I can't remember what I announced him as, but that broke him. Oh, brilliant. That he was coming down the aisle and I announced him as 225 pounds of whatever. And he just, he broke, he, <laughs> he doubled, he had his arms up and he just doubled over and he gets in the ring and he looks, he whispers in my ear. He's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Do you think part of it was he was expecting it? So he was probably already kind of suppressing. I, 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 knew, I knew he was. Yeah. I think it was just a matter of what I said. It's a great phrase, great phrase we use over here called the giggle loop. So if you, yeah. if you, if you can't, if you, you're trying so hard not to laugh at something, it makes it near impossible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And, you know, and, and again, that's one of the little things about independent pro wrestling and just pro wrestling in general that I yeah. absolutely love is just the little jokes and the little things that happen yeah. that the fans don't see. Yeah. Yeah. And there's things that happen at these events as well. After speaking to a couple of the guys for the, the recent Facebook fan episode I did, um, mm-hmm. things that happen even at the mainstream house shows that, you know, they have moments in there where it's just for the fans to see, you know, those little jokes oh, yeah. that go off, which is, you know, someone breaks character, but you'll never see it for TV. It's just someone's oh, got yeah. that memory. So. Kevin, Kevin Owens, who uh, he actually, his independent days, he used to wrestle here in upstate New York. Okay. Um, Cause he, he's from uh, Canada, mm-hmm. which is not far from here. It's only like maybe three and a half, four hours from yeah. where we are. So he would come down and wrestle in New York a lot. And he, he often made it a point to try to get his opponents to break in mid-match. Right. And there's even video of him and Roman Reigns. Okay. In ring at a house show um, where a fan was heckling Kevin Owens for one reason or other. And he, he shouts something out like, listen, pal, I make more in this match than you make in a year. Sit down and shut up. And you can see Roman Reigns laughing hysterically. <laughs> That's brilliant. Isn't it? You'd love to be able to say you've seen one of those, you know, and you've seen these guys on the screen as one thing, but then you see them as real people, even though they're doing their job in the ring, you still see, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. they're still oh, human. Yeah. So getting to the last couple of questions that I've got that I want to rattle off. So you've, you've done a lot, you know, you've fulfilled a lot of roles in the mm-hmm. wrestling industry. Are there any other roles left that you either wanted when you started out to to try out or have since you know wanted to move into that you haven't yet sort of sampled um i mean i've done pretty much everything really i mean announcing refereeing managing everyone gorilla i mean i would i the one thing i never did when i wrestled was hold a championship hold a title okay yeah that's a that's the one thing i never did and it's been it's been weighing on me that it's that it's never happened and i've yeah. always said you know there's that saying in wrestling never say never mm-hmm. yeah never say never and and i'm not gonna lie if i hadn't if you know I, I would be lying if i said that i didn't pull my gear bag out and look at my gear and just give it a think yeah could i do it could i could it be could there be one more run left in me one more match you can just hear it now I, I can and i've been hearing it for a while so i never say never that's never all i'm gonna never. say you gotta keep me keep keep us all posted on that because i'd love to i'd oh, love definitely. to say that i'd love to say that you you managed to announce that on here and it actually happens so well you never know <laughs> cool so i i uh, understand as well that you're involved with the international pro wrestling hall of fame yes yeah so yes, tell us a little that... bit about that how are you involved how did it come about well, I am. I do a lot of social media, media relations with the International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, uh, and and it it is what it exactly it says it is. We are the Hall of Fame for International Professional Wrestling. We preserve the history of this great industry. Uh, you know, we take, but we don't just take a look at pro wrestling here in the United States. We look at Japan, the United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand. It, all over the world, because pro wrestling is not just centered on the United States. No. It is not. There are so many great talent from overseas, you know, guys like we'll say from the United Kingdom, Johnny Saint, Johnny Kidd, Robbie Brookside. I mean, these guys are legends. Steve Gray. I actually had the opportunity when I was up and coming in the United Kingdom to referee Johnny Kidd versus Steve Gray. 
and it was it, it was a clinic. I just I, I remember <laughs> I said to Johnny Cad backstage, I said to him, I said, is there anything that I need to know? He goes, yes, know this. Just stand back and watch. I was like, <laughs> OK, you're 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 the boss. Yeah. Uh, and I did, and it was just an amazing match. It was just an amazing match to work. Um, but even, I mean, you even look Japan, so many legends, Antonio Inoki, you know, uh, just all these names. And really our job is to preserve the history of professional wrestling, but we're also recognized here in New York state as an educational institution because we also educate the people on the history of pro wrestling and coming up this August, we're going to have our first, our inaugural induction, which was originally supposed to take place last summer, but with the pandemic, everything put on hold, we're moving it forward to the end of this August, August 28th here in Albany, New York. Uh, You can find details on it on our website, prowrestlinghall.org. You can also follow us on social media. You just look up International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame and we will pop right up. Um, We're holding our inaugural induction. 24 of the biggest names in history are going to be inducted. Names like Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Antonio Inoki. So go there. If you're looking to fly over to the United States and join us, you are more than welcome. We're going to, ticket information is going to be released very soon. So, and it's going to be limited, obviously, because pandemic and so on. It's going to be limited. So tickets are going to go fast, but get all your information there. Sign up for our newsletter. We do accept donations Uh, here in the States. It's tax deductible. You can write it off on your taxes. I don't know how the UK handles it, Um, but you can always make donations to the hall. You can sign up for our newsletter, get insider information on taxes or not taxes on tickets. Um, So yeah, but definitely check us out on social media. It's it's a great organization and we're hoping to uh, have a, as we call it here in the States, a brick and mortar. Yeah. I was going to ask that. Is it, is it going to be something, something physical to, you know, to, to commemorate Awesome. Soon. You know, again, we were extremely close before the pandemic hit Mm. and then COVID put the, breaks on everything yeah uh so we're 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 initially starting from scratch so to speak wow that's amazing i'll definitely be checking that out that's uh wish you all the best with that and hope you get all the support in the world because that's definitely something that the industry needs you know It, it is you know and and we we also you know we're we're making we're making waves we have we have bruno san martino's wwwf championship it is in our possession. Wow. Um, this is the championship that he carried around for a number of years. That's amazing. How, how did this that is, come about? Has that been sort of donated? You can't say. That, that, is, that is a story for the president of the Hall of Fame because he is the one that is physically in possession of the Wow. That's, I mean, um, you, you can't get, I mean, I know they're on about the WWF having a physical one and they would have obviously right an unimaginable um, variety of things that they could put in there but that's that's definitely something that that not everyone is going to that is often considered as the holy grail yeah of heavy of championships yeah that's amazing well there you go i mean that's that's just sort of cements what the great work that you're doing already you know and 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 how um how respected you know, and, and, this kind of thing is 
and as the Hall of Fame works and we start building up the, you know, the, the physical location, which will be here in New York, mm-hmm. uh, once we build up the physical location, you know, then obviously we'll have various displays, robes, boots, ring-worn gear, photos, autographs. Yeah. Uh, my personal favorite, I love the posters, like the old school yeah. posters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, th- things like that that you would find in a Hall of Fame or that you would find in a museum that just take you trips down trips down memory yeah. lane, you know, classic photos, classic videos, mm-hmm. which, by the way, brings me to this point. We also recently procured 3,500 hours of classic unseen. When I say unseen, I mean unseen footage of guys like Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, some of the biggest names in wrestling history. It's called the Savoldi Library. If you ever get the opportunity, look it up. 3,500 hours of classic unseen video. I mean, this is the video that a certain company in Connecticut would is salivating to have in their possession. <laughs> that is amazing. And the, the, the plans for something like that, I mean, eventually having somewhere you can display that or, or would it sort of be kept under yes. lock and key? No, no. I mean, it, it, to me, it would be criminal for us to have that kind of resource and not share it with the people that love this business. Yeah. Because these are some of the biggest names, you know, of their Stone Cold Steve Austin, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, you know, mm-hmm. the unseen video. Fantastic. For us to say, no, it's ours, you can't have it. Yeah. And to me, that that's that's just criminal, man. Yeah. Yeah. A certain that's someone would a certain someone would do that, I'm sure, if it was in there. <laughs> so keep 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 that baby safe. So, uh, one final question. I like to have anyone who listens to this show knows I, when I have a guest on, I like to do a little bit of fantasy booking to wrap it up. Ooh. So I like to, I, I kind of been mixing it up because when I've had guys in who, who were wrestlers, I've asked them if mm-hmm. they could book a match at WrestleMania, who would they, who would they want to face? You know, is there a particular uh, match they would wanted to have had for yourself? If you could have announced any match now this could be any pairing not necessarily a match that's happened at wrestlemania but if you could announce a match at wrestlemania who would be in it oh man if i had to pick one match that i and you mean anybody not like this a match that's happened no past present any pairing yeah it doesn't have to be a match that's actually happened randy savage from wrestlemania 3 versus Shawn michaels from wrestlemania 12 wow there we go. I saw a match they had in '92, and that was one of the best things I saw from that era. As and well, and so. I'm talking, I'm talking when these guys were in their prime. Yeah, I'm talking, yeah. you know, right. But when Savage was just on the cusp of winning the heavyweight championship, and he was white hot. Yeah. And then Shawn Michaels, when he just did win the championship, and he was white hot. That is yeah. a match I would have killed to see. Yeah. So if you were to be able to announce the winner of that, who would it be? Savage. Yeah, I think yeah, obvious question. That that that's only because I'm a savage. <laughs> I'm I'm a Randy Savage guy. So I think comp- compare the two eras, though. You're probably you're probably right because even though I've been always a like I say massive Shawn Michaels fan, I don't think you could touch Randy Savage from the late the late eighties. You know, I don't no, think anyone really no, comes close. He was, you know, don't get me wrong. Shawn Michaels is a legend in this industry, mm. but he was, you know, he was a technical guy. Savage was, he was technical, but he was also he was also just his intensity and the way he worked the ring was just, it's unparalleled in my opinion. I don't think you will see someone, 
you have someone now or you will see someone anytime soon that has that kind of intensity or just just that charisma as randy savage and that ladies and gentlemen is why the golden era is untouchable and that's why a podcast like this exists because exactly you know i i no matter what they come out with these days i will always go back to to back then you know it it had the had everything that this one's missing i think oh yeah Yeah. oh yeah that's uh listen mate so just closing where can people find you on social media if they want to sort of keep up to date with what you're doing i am all over social media um you can find me at Mike A. Falvo, that's F as in Frank, A-L-V as in Victor, O is my last name, at Mike A. Falvo. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, please feel free to send me, shoot me a friend request on Facebook. Um, Also, myself, my two brothers, and my friend Jason have our own podcast, Shameless Plug. Nope, go ahead. It's called... (laughs) Three Guides and a Goak. Guid short for Guidos because we're all Italian. Um, you can find us on Buzzsprout. It's 3gg.buzzsprout.com. Uh, we talk American sports, a little bit of pop culture, a little bit. We go down a bunch of rabbit holes. So if, you're, if your listeners are so inclined, check us out. Uh, but they can find me at Mike A. Falvo across all social media. Thank you so, so much for giving us your time. This has been, Anytime, this has been dude. a blast. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I, I, I say this to, to many others, but because I, um, doing this podcast has put me in touch with, with people that I can really go down a lot of rabbit holes with that I probably didn't have the, experience, the opportunity to do it when I was growing up. So I'm going to take full advantage of it. So, you know, hey, if I can find, find, another, find another time that we can, we can delve into something else, I would, uh, I'd, I'd really like that. Definitely. I would love to come on. No worries. Well, take it easy, mate, and good luck with everything you're doing. I'll be definitely keeping an eye. And uh, I'll Thank speak you. to you soon. All right. Definitely. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 